This is the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. Caleb Ontiveros, who left the University of Notre Dame's PhD program in philosophy to pursue a career in tech, is often asked by people studying philosophy how he transitioned to software engineering and programming. Caleb created the Facebook group Philosophers in Software Engineering to help others like him. The group's members collect and share advice for philosophers interested in learning how to program or in careers in software engineering. In this episode, Caleb chats with Ledge about philosophical thinking in software and how software can enhance philosophical thinking. Hey, Caleb, man. Thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ledge. So if you don't mind, give a little background. You and I met online and uh, you're, you're doing some really interesting work. I thought it'd be cool for the audience to, uh, to find out about and learn some of your perspectives. Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm in the Bay Area right now. I've been in startups for nearly three years now. And before then, I was uh, studying philosophy in grad school um, and then transitioned into software engineering, came out to the Bay uh, and learned how to program and then started working in startups. Yeah. And that that transition from philosophy to software engineering kind of made you a a topical expert in something that that actually seems pretty popular. Like you kind of put together a little community around uh, people who are interesting or interested in making that conversion. And, you know, it's not two things that you often hear together a lot. I just wonder about that experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I created a Facebook group um, called philosophers and software engineering, and that was posted on a few academic philosophy blogs and got a, got a lot of engagement. Um, Tons of people join from professors to software engineers. Um, and initially, you might like, not think there's a whole lot of overlap, but I think um, you know, there are a number of different ways in which philosophy and programming can sort of come together. Um, yeah, what, what is that? I mean, what's the, what's the framework? I and mean, now you're like, you know, famous and you need to you know, be the expert in something you just kind of picked up as a hobby. So. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, there are two features of philosophy that make the tra- moving from philosophy to programming um, sort of natural. Um, one feature is um, logic. A lot of philosophers spend time working in, like, say, first-order logic, which is like quite similar to um, what you'll be doing when you are writing a program. You know, simple like if-then statements, um, thinking about different forms of logical operators and that sort of thing. Um, and the second thing is that philosophy often um, stresses conceptual rigor, being very clear about the sorts of claims you are making, your reasons for those claims, um, and being ensuring that other people can understand what you're talking about. Um, and like <laughs> yeah. those things are just like super important in software engineering. Um, when you are, say, you want to name a particular table, you know, what are you going to name that table? Is that table going to communicate the thing um, that you want it to communicate? What sort of role should it play? Um, in like your conceptual schema of the, the data model and this sort of thing. Um, so those, those skills are like super useful. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, and how do you see it play out in, you know, the, the day-to-day work? Is this something that you thought would be the case or you kind of just discovered it, you know, kind of after the fact and, and then started thinking about it? Yeah, I guess one thing that um, also made the transition make sense is that the, um, and another reason why a lot of um, other um, people in academic philosophy are thinking about it is that um, the uh, philosophy job market is 
pretty hard. You know, so a lot of people like to think about backup plans. Um, you know, there are only so many professorship uh, positions available. Um, and uh, like programming is like a possible thing one can do. Um, so that's, that's another connection. In terms of like the, the day-to-day, um, you know, when you're programming, you are, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, you're just on a grind, you know what you're doing already. Uh, you're just, you're just typing away and that sort of thing. But a lot of programming is like just, you spend most of the time thinking about how you're going to communicate your ideas, less time actually like typing. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and what, what are some of the, the challenges? I mean, it can't be all perfect, right? Like just what, what surprised you, you know, sort of making the jump and where are the, where are the places that, you know, maybe a former academic kind of might struggle in, in software and high tech world? Yeah, sure. Well, maybe I'll, I'll just say a little bit more about how I, transitioned into um yeah you know like the, the path from leaving grad school to getting a job um so what i did is i started teaching myself a little bit of ruby and javascript on the side while i was in grad school um found that i like i really enjoyed it um and then like the you know this is something that i advise lots of people are interested in programming um or most people you know just try it see if you like it um and then what I did is there's sort of a decision point, you know, do you want to go to a coding boot camp or a school or do you want to continue like uh, teaching yourself? Um, and I decided to go to a coding boot camp called App Academy. Um, the, there are quite a few other good coding boot camps as well. But um, the main reason I went to App Academy is that they are invested in your success. Like you make some down payments um, and then um, they, the main bit of their profit will come from some percentage of your salary after you get a job. Um, uh, okay. And they will, you know, refund your deposit if you do not get a job. Um, and, you know, I admire that uh, sort of like financial framework. Um, and I, you know, knew quite a few people who had had good experiences at that boot camp. So I decided to uh, attend this coding boot camp. Um, and this was basically just like three months of, programming all day, uh, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and it felt like it, it was a great environment to learn. You know, there, there are a lot of other students there um, and everyone is like quite excited, very motivated to be um, learning um, web development. And it's probably like all different backgrounds, you know, people who are getting into it at all different stages and backgrounds of, of their career, of their, you know, academics. I got to imagine the first couple of days are, are probably kind of nerve wracking. You know, you're just like, you're making a major shift in your whole life there. And there aren't a lot of places besides coding that you can kind of go like full boot camp mode for like three months and then think like I'm in a new career. Yeah. The transition is pretty fast. Um, you know, I, after the boot camp, it, you know, only took about a month before I had my first job offer. Um, and a lot of other students had that experience as well. Um, yeah, the, I think for me, it was mostly actually just like pretty exciting. Like the, you can just pick up something so quickly um, and that there are um, other people around you who are also like really excited about this thing and um, invested in their own and your success as well. Um, it's like really made for a really good experience. Um, what's, what's the experience been like of building the community online? You know, I mean, that's super cool that it just was like organic and it got picked up and people resonated with it did you 
expect that or would you expect to be like, you know, three people in there and not sure? Yeah. I mean, I guess if you had asked me to guess how many members there would be, I probably would have guessed that there would be on the order of hundreds. And that's mostly just because I know that I already know quite a few philosophers and who are made the transition like myself. I I get asked by um, people who are in grad school um, for advice about how to think about programming. Um, and then I also know people who are software engineers and are just curious about philosophy. Like maybe they haven't formally studied it, um, but would like to talk to philosophers and would like to talk about um, philosophical topics in software engineering. So it goes back the other way too. Like you're getting engineers that want to transition or think about philosophy. I don't know, like have a, a deeper view into, into their work. I mean, what's that, what's that look like? You know, what are those conversations like? That's got to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So I guess there, there, are, um, there are, you know, sort of esoteric discussions about, you know, like the nature of computer programs or um, questions about consciousness and computer programs to maybe like more concrete questions about, you know, like what are the ethical implications of particular um, actions by tech companies or particular technologies um, and getting people to talk together about that is um, definitely quite a lot of fun. So does it go into like the ethical realm? I mean, I guess a lot of the, you know, ethical IT and ethical AI. And I mean, there's, there's gotta be a lot of, a lot of that stuff going on these days. You can go pretty deep down that rabbit hole. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are just so many different topics from like automation type concerns to the, what's sometimes called the ethical implications of the digital economy and how you should think about how important your attention is, how you should treat um, the intention of your users um, and the ethical boundaries of um, that sort of work to questions about how is artificial intelligence going to be developed in um, a safe and just manner. Um, yes, there's so much, um, you know, as I suppose, as in most areas of life that is like quite, um, that touches on the ethical domain. Um, with respect to interactions in the um, group, um, one thing that's like especially been exciting to see um, is people who are like currently in tech um, helping out people who are like curious about um, particular fields, whether it's machine learning or web development. Um, so yeah, just, I mean, just this morning someone posted about you know they wanted to learn more about machine learning and they're starting to teach themselves um, a little bit of Python and this sort of thing. And then a fellow who studied philosophy but now founded a startup in the Bay Area, you know, reached out to him and is giving him, you know, we'll we'll hopefully, uh, you know, provide some insight. What's up, you guys? This is Taylor. Let's take a quick break from this episode to talk about the people that make this podcast possible. Gun.io. Gun.io is a kick-ass service that provides kick-ass senior engineers to your team or project. It's all pretty kick-ass, especially because your first 10 hours with one of our engineers is on us. Head to gun.io slash podcast to cash it in. That's gun.io slash podcast. Back to you in the studio, Ledge. Is there an eagerness to inject more, I don't know, philosophic, like academic thought into what had been just a, a tech conversation? Yeah, I think so. I think that's definitely true. Um, and I think one thing that makes this pretty salient is um, 
a lot of the you know current news with um, larger tech companies um, and how, how they uh, use their products and how um, they might treat their employees. Um, I mean, especially if you're like working for in tech, most people want to ensure that you know they are living well and not doing things uh, that are uh, bad. You know, they want to be thoughtful, um, and I think that's the source of that. Yeah, I talked to Liz Fong Jones about you know sort of the the way that people can evaluate the technology and companies that they're working for and the things they're working on and the deep questions to kind of ask even before you take a job, you know, will my work be used on certain kinds of, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, drone technology or facial recognition and government work, you know, things that, that could be stuff I never imagined, you know, when I wanted to become a technologist and how we have to be diligent about asking those questions on the way in. I, I imagine that kind of deeper thought pattern and, and thinking is really core to what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it also goes the other way as well. Um, so there's also questions about, you know, how we can how can we apply software to improve how we think about these questions? Um, so, you know, are there interesting ways we can visualize these problems? Are there systems we can build to help us communicate these ideas in a uh, more clear uh, and rigorous manner? Um, is, there, is there a futurist kind of discussion that, that goes on? You know, what's, what's happening next? I mean, that kind of sounds like a, a predictive, you know, kind of uh, a fun, you know, academic and thoughtful rabbit hole that you could dive down and say, you know, if we had known before what we know now and we had these different ways of diverse ways of thinking you know, in our discipline, might we have done things different and how are we going to do things, you know, in the future now that we maybe can open those conversations? Oh yeah, of course. And one thing I'm especially excited about is in philosophy, um, are like digital ways of, um, expressing like philosophical arguments. Um, so in the field of philosophy, a lot of people write books, a lot of people write papers, um, and this sort of thing. Um, but these, uh, ways of communication, you know, don't have version control, um, it's much a lot harder to see like uh, connections between uh, papers that were written like 10 years ago and this sort of thing. Um, and it would be really great, I think, if people were to devise systems to um, express like these kinds of ideas uh, using um, software. Yeah. Get, so, some more, get some more details around that. That's, yeah, that's super yeah. interesting. What are some examples there? Um, some things I've been like prototyping in the past are like argument type mapping systems where say in philosophy, you, you might have like a, a standard, you know, other fields as well, um, argument form, um, of, you know, if P then Q, P therefore Q, this sort of thing. And then you can fill that out with actual content. Um, and you can create a program that will let you put in like different propositions and different logical relationships between those propositions. Um, and over time, you can like amass uh, a large database of different philosophical claims. Like I think that sort of work would be like super exciting. You know, if you imagine uh, philosophers or people like you know inputting a particular proposition, you know, like I believe you know some argument for why facial recognition is um, is ethically worrisome or something like this. 
um, it, it violates people's privacy rights, uh, and someone can make particular claims about that. And then you can imagine other people inputting other claims, logical relationships between those claims, um, maybe the pushing back at the original proposition, you know, like, what does this mean? Um, and you can have, like, uh, all this discussion in, in, like, one place. And I think that would have, like, quite large returns, especially as it's used over time. It strikes me as, like, almost a, an application of, of smart contracts, where you'd have a, a logical framework by which to transact and kind of go back and forth and make philosophically sound, you know, automated debates almost, you know, that you could inject a, a measure of, of human thoughtfulness into a transaction base. Is anybody talking about that kind of stuff? Yeah, I don't know if anyone's talking about that in particular. That, yeah, that's pretty interesting, applying the smart contracts platform. I guess, like, uh, one way in which it is similar is um, you can imagine someone making an argument in one field, and then that makes all these uh, commitments in a completely separate domain. Um, and I think like that's uh, just because of like logical rules and like the other propositions in play. Um, so that that's definitely a similarity. Um, and I think that uh, the ability to see those connections between completely different domains would be super useful. Uh, and it's like very hard to do, yeah. you know, if you're doing this on. Yeah, uh, if you do like a cross disciplinary or cross dimensional sort of evaluation of, of frameworks and, and thought processes, and then, you know, can zoom out and kind of go, well, this over here in biology and this over here in machine learning. And if we can apply one framework across that and kind of align the vocabularies, it has, it has tones of like the, you know, the universal uh, formula, you know, the, the unifying theorem of all the disciplines. So, uh, yeah, that would be, that'd be fun. I keep using the term rabbit hole, but this is the kind of stuff that I think all of us, you know, kind of nerd out on in our, our space, you know, that it, we get to model real world stuff and the more we can model things that, that really approximate the real world complexities, the happier we get. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that there are like huge returns here and, um, you know, creating platforms like this uh, would, you know, let us like take advantage of AI systems better uh, potentially um, in, um, in the future. I mean, maybe where do you see it on day to day? Where does it, where does it come into your, your day to day work? Or is, does it have to be sort of the, the hobbyist view, you know, kind of on the side still at, at this point? Yeah. I mean, I might day to day, I'm mostly thinking about maybe more, um, concrete questions and startups. Um, let's see, I guess, um, some philosophical ideas that I'm interested in that I think about on a daily basis are, um, ideas related to, um, self transformation and, um, wellness type apps. So, um, you know, there are quite a few apps related to, um, meditation, um, related to therapy and this sort of thing. Um, and, that kind of platform um, uh, is those kind of like mobile apps are like good ways to communicate philosophical ideas. Um, so, and, and combine that with things like uh, wellness. Uh, so like 
one project I've worked on um, in the past is a app that combines um, the philosophy of stoicism and meditation. Um, and it's something I'm exploring further. Yeah. Talk more about that. Yeah. That's neat. So um, the, the philosophy of stoicism is in, uh, it's an ancient uh, Greek and Roman philosophy. Um, one of the main upshots is that it's very important to be very vigilant about what is under your control and what is outside of your control. And a lot of um, things follow from a sort of like fundamental division. Um, and uh, this idea it can be communicated quite well in a mobile um, app by you just providing a number of different exercises, you know, to teach people about stoicism, to get a regular meditation practice um, or journaling practice. Um, those stoics were very, um, very long on things like reflection and journaling um, and um, creating tools to help people do that and apply that in their lives. Uh, it was like quite exciting, I think. Yeah. Tons of opportunities there. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of work around the, you know, guided meditation and such, but those feedback loops, maybe not yet really being built in that that would be kind of the next level 2.0, 3.0 of, of that kind of experience. So it's not just a consumption model, but it's an interactive type of model, maybe even with some kind of a analysis of the journal, you know, after the fact, or, you know, what about this? What about that? Uh, additional thinking exercises that are personalized based on the feedback. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I think, um, just this, the space of, you know, audio to human interactions is like still very underexplored. Um, and we're thinking about meditations. Um, so, uh, and there's like tons of content for, uh, that people would love to like consume and interact with, um, that, that needs to be created. So what are you, uh, what are you reading right now? Good question. Um, so the last book I read was, um, a book called, um, that's the motivation hacker. Um, that was on productivity. Um, that was quite good. Um, one of the main features, um, I liked about that book is that it, the fellow is like clearly a real person. Sometimes you read productivity books and it seems like, Oh, this person is not a mortal. They have more than, they have more than 24 hours in a day. Um, yeah, right. uh, but, uh, this book was especially useful because, you know, I think it's a perspective of, of some person is like very clear about telling, you know, these, these are the things I want to do. Um, one of these things is like writing this actual book in three months. Um, and it provides like a pretty clear framework, uh, for how one can be uh, more productive. Um, nice, so, yeah. nice. so we like to ask everybody star Wars or star Trek, you know, we're keeping track. I think I'm a star Wars person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about and what can't you live without? Oh, huh. What can I live without? Food? I'm not sure. That's funny. <laughs> um, what's the last thing you Googled for work? Oh, let's see. Um, last thing I Googled for work was probably something related to, like, a, a React Native library. Yeah. So it's probably something like, why are my versions... Uh, not <laughs> which what person to get everything to yeah. it's almost always like why doesn't something yeah. work you know <laughs> right. 
All right. So last last question. I love to, I love to ask this. I think you'll dig this as a philosopher. Uh, are you a fan of The Office? The Office. You know, I haven't seen that much of The Office. All right, but yeah. you know the characters, know the characters, right? So, I, so you know, so there's great, this, I guess, cl- classic episode where Jim is messing with Dwight, and he's sending him faxes from future Dwight, and he's he's saying like the coffee is poisoned, and he's you know sort of messing with him all day long, and so like I like to ask people, you know, so if I gave you a piece of paper, you know, and a nice thick black sharpie, and you got to scrawl one fax on there and send it back to yourself. So, you know, your future Caleb and you get to fax yourself in the past, you know, what do you write on that piece of paper? And oh, why? cool. When is it going to me? Like 10 years, 10 years back or something? Uh, you can okay. choose. You can choose. How about 10 yeah, years? So going 10 years back. Um, let's see. I think I would be something like, Hmm. Man, this is really hard. I think I'd probably say something like, "Read Ayn Rand." I read Ayn Rand recently, <laughs> and it like was um, I read The Fountainhead in particular, and I think that I had the sense that earlier me would have like really liked that book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm an Atlas Shrugged okay, person sweet. myself. Yeah, like, yes, absolutely. I, you know, I didn't expect to enjoy the book so much, but. Um, and I know, you know, Ayn Rand and philosophy is actually a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, controversial, controversial. It, it can certainly get, uh, it can certainly get people debating. Yeah, it can get the people going. <laughs> um, but no, I love that. That's a very philosophical yeah. answer. Yeah, I dig that. Cool. Yeah. A lot of times people are like, you know, take that job or uh, hire that guy. <laughs> you know, I love that. I love that. Well, cool, man. Hey, this is a great topic. Um, are you looking for more people in the, the Facebook group or how can, you know, people get in touch with you if they're interested? Yeah, absolutely. So they can um, go to uh, philosophers and software engineering. It's just a um, um, Google uh, or sorry, a Facebook group. Um, and yeah, you can also uh, follow me on Twitter, I suppose. Uh, at, I think it's Club OO Music. Uh, we'll check it out. We'll make sure it's in the show notes. Caleb, thanks for spending time with us, man. Totally appreciate it. It's great. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.